Hi everyone, welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm your host Aryan. And I'm Ishwarya. We request all of you to go over to our Instagram at Desi Crime and give us a follow. There you can check out reels, posts, stories that keep you updated on when the next episode is live. Just as it would be for this one. So go ahead to at Desi Crime at Instagram and check us out. And as we are every month, we are back again this month with July's edition of Chai and Chitti, a segment where listeners from all over the world send in their eerie, creepy, and all kinds of weird experiences. Welcome to Chai and Chitti. Sure, I think we'd be remiss if we do not highlight in this episode something listeners from the previous Giant Shitty episode um, were quick to pounce <laughs> upon and highlight. And I feel bad. I uh-huh. feel bad for Fez. But Fez, you got a bunch of haters, Poor my guys. And that third story you send in, it better be the best written, sounding, non-fictional story because otherwise, I given given the listener response, I just cannot read it. And to listeners that were bored by it, I, I guess I'm sorry, but Fares had really made a mark with the first story, and I thought it was only fair. No, I actually I enjoyed Fares' story. I enjoyed both of his stories, but yeah, I guess the audience picked up on something. But yeah, if if you do experience another haunting tale, Fares, we will put you through the ringer <laughs> before we put it up this time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not taking any chances but as do all stories <laughs> with ghosts to some amount they all need to be vetted but speaking of stories and speaking of ghosts we have the first story of the day it reads hey aryan and ashwarya i am nush i sent an email ages ago about my creepy ghost experiences but this happened and i knew i had to get your guys's opinion for all the listeners, and this is something we get often, why haven't you read our Chai and Chitty out on the podcast? Guys, we get a billion emails. So we parse through them all and we read them, but only a few can make the cutoff. So for those of you that do, congrats. And for those that don't, know that we still loved your stories. Y'all are my absolute favorite podcast to listen to. I listen to it when I cook, clean and work. I've been hooked since the first episode. <laughs> For context, I am not a very religious person. My parents are practicing Hindus, but I'm not. I have a somewhat weird relationship with religion, and this occurrence has made even weirder. Ashwara, I love this. This is the reason I chose the story, because the person is somebody not predisposed to believing in ghosts. I had a really weird dream. In the dream, I was at a temple with my friends, and the layout was similar to the temple near my house in Kerala. So I was familiar with it and wandered around. As I prayed around the temple, I saw my dead dadu, or my grandfather, walking around the temple. He looked healthy and tanned. I did a double take and thought it couldn't be him since he died seven years ago. I shook it off and I kept walking towards the back where the area was grassier, filled with little puddles, essentially looking like potholes. 
I made my way to the grassy area to relax and enjoy the peace that comes with being in a temple or any religious place for that matter. But for some reason, I go sit in the puddle and a white lady approached me, asking about the temple and whatnot. As I'm explaining everything to her, another woman sits in the puddle, not the grass, but in the puddle next to me. And we stay there for a while before another lady shows up and tells us to get up and out of the puddle as some other girl who had sat here had gotten sick. So the three of us are walking and I'm talking to the girl who sat next to me. And as we make small talk, all of a sudden, there's a puddle of water in front of us that came out of nowhere and we fall through it. Somehow, the two of us are transported to the 1940s and end up outside her ancestral home. We are welcomed in and we see a deity wearing a mask with red, black and white designs on it, eerily similar to Kalima. The mask keeps shifting from family member to family member. While we follow it, I keep hearing Kali, which could either mean play in Malayalam or it could have meant Ma Kali. It finally stops shifting from family member to family member and stops right in front of me and I scream and wake up. Suffice to say, I was absolutely rattled by the dream and later called my parents to explain it to them. What my dad told me still gives me chills. We have a small family temple on my dadu's side, which is my paternal grandfather's side, dedicated to Devi Annapurna. It had been in disarray for the past several years and the roads leading up to it were awful and riddled with, Ashwara get this, riddled with potholes. My dad told me that he had donated some money to fix up the holes and got rid of them. I had no knowledge of this until my dad had told me. I couldn't explain this, how I managed to dream so specifically about potholes, temples and my dadu in relation to the things that my dad did, that's beyond me and I truly believe this might have some supernatural force to it. To this day, I get shivers thinking about this dream. What do you think about it? Could it be divine intervention or just a coincidence? Thank you for taking your time and reading this. Cheers, Nush. Ashwarya, what are your thoughts? Is it a coincidence? Is it divine intervention? Around me as someone who has the weirdest dreams on the face of this planet, and I think we've discussed that before on some of our previous episodes, I'm going to have to call coincidence. I can tell that you're creeped wow. out by the story, but I have had stories Yeah, I have the weirdest dreams and I can tie connections to my real life. I just... No. Uh, That's where I disagree with you. I see what you see about it. I see what's creepy. This is is not a story that shouts jump scare, which we will have for you very soon. To me, it shouts creepy because of the predisposition of the individual being talked about and the connection to their dream and Mm -hmm. a random freaking temple in Kerala that is somehow related to the same goddess or uh, of the same lineage and dad who paid money to fix potholes and she is dreaming about potholes that she was never aware of that's that that's not coincidental in my opinion all right yeah this I is this is giant chitty is slowly becoming a dreamer i guess giant chitty is slowly becoming sort of a talk show debate uh segment because our disagreements <laughs> just keep mounting that would actually be fun that'll be fun what is actually giant chitty and conversations i don't know we'll start a new show giant chitty anyway. investigates that's what that's what we're oh going. my god moving sure. on all right <laughs> moving on to the next story the email reads dear ishwarya and aryan I hope this message finds you both in good health and high spirits. 
My name is P from Noida and I'm an ardent listener of Desi Crime podcast since its inception. Hey, Noida represent. Noida represent. No, you don't get to say that. Ashwara, you're greater Noida. Different different worlds. <laughs> I'm unwilling to dive into this greater Noida conversation once again on this. Again, podcast. we're back to the debate. Moving It's on. not a debate. Yes. So mo- moving on. The email reads, I wanted to take a moment to express my heartfelt appreciation for the incredible work you do. Your captivating storytelling and meticulous research have kept me and my friends hooked to every episode. This means so much to me. You guys don't know every time you write us cute introductions to your emails. We actually do take them to heart and we really, really love, love reading them. The email goes on about how this individual, P, introduced all that are becoming loyal fans. Absolutely love it. Love that you share the love. Love that you share the fear using our podcast among your friends. The email continues. One particular episode of yours stood out to me among the rest. The one where you covered a case related to my college, NIT Calicut. Or, Cozy Code, Arya. <laughs> no, no, no. Co- it's Cory Code, Ishwara. It's Cory Code. Uh, Cory Code. As I have been informed by multiple individuals. Till date, till date, I get reels about how it's not cozy code and it's cory code and i'm still told that even it's not even cory code it's a different role of the r so i've given up it's calicut and i think we're going to i've put in my google yep. auto dictionary to change cozy code to calicut every time it comes because i i just don't i don't seem to get i went all the way to kerala <laughs> I went all the way to Kerala. I still can't get it right. So, Calicut. The email continues actually to say, I couldn't contain my excitement when I heard you mention it and I'm sure it must have rung a bell for you as well. Aryan, if pronouncing Kori Kor proves challenging, you can always call it Calicut. Consider it a friendly tip from a dedicated listener. So, Noted. Calicut it is. The email goes on. Now, let me share a bone-chilling story that comes not from my personal experiences, but those from my maternal uncle, who I fondly call Mamaji. Mamaji has always been a skeptic like myself, dismissing the existence of ghosts. However, there was one incident that shook him to the core and shattered his skepticism. It happened around 15 years ago when Mamaji was in his final year of college in Pune. One fateful night after watching a movie with his friend X and X's girlfriend, they bid each other good night and parted ways. Mamaji embarked on his journey home, riding alone on his motorcycle while X and his girlfriend rode together on a different motorcycle. Around 1:30 a.m. as Mamaji was traveling for about 30 minutes, his phone rang. It was X, his voice trembling with distress. X informed Mamaji that they had met with a terrible accident and urgently needed assistance. Mamaji, concerned for his friend's well-being, agreed to go and help him. Little did he know that this decision would plunge him into a nightmarish encounter. Mamaji stopped his bike on a bridge to take the call, only to notice a figure standing about 50 meters away, dressed in white, the stereotypical appearance of a ghost. Fear gripped Mamaji as he distinctly remembered the bridge being empty when he approached from that direction. However, he pushed aside his apprehensions, convincing himself that he must have overlooked the figure earlier or that it had approached from behind. Determined to reach his friend's aid, Mamaji accelerated his bike, swiftly passing the eerie figure on the bridge. But to his horror, after covering a distance of 30 to 40 meters, he felt an inexplicable force pulling him back. 
Desperate to escape, he tried to accelerate, but his bike seemed frozen, refusing to move forward. Trembling with fear, he glanced into the rearview mirror, only to witness a sight that would haunt him forever. Two elongated hands gripping his shoulders while the figure remained unmoved where it stood. Overwhelmed by shock, Mamari lost consciousness and fell to the ground. Now, you guys, I just have to point out here that I have a weird fear of hands on me somewhere when there is no human being behind me. So I've literally, there have been times where I've been taking a shower and I've had my hands in my head, like putting shampoo in. And I've wondered what would happen if I felt somebody else's hands on Jesus me in my head. Yeah. If I saw somebody's hands. I know. So hands, random hands when there is no human being terrify the ever-living shit out of me. Yeah, but why do you have to like imagine unnecessarily evil things lurking behind you? Like that's scary, but that's also a little I don't um, know crazy, you know, frankly. Psychopathic. No, I know. And a lot of this goes back to my childhood. There's a movie, Bollywood movie called Vastu Shastra. Yeah, I know. Exact okay, same don't. Thing that in her head. Something about so. something about <laughs> Hindi scary movies. They're cheesy, they're corny, but they end up being scarier. I think it's nostalgia. No, that I leads to eventual nausea, but yeah, it's so scary. The email continues. When he regained his senses, he found himself alone in the aftermath of the terrifying ordeal. The bridge was devoid of any presence, and the mysterious figure had vanished into thin air. Fueled by a mixture of adrenaline and fear, Mamaji swiftly got back on his feet, his heart still pounding in his chest. Without wasting a moment, he mounted his bike and raced away from that cursed place. After riding for some time, he finally found solace in the presence of other people. Overwhelmed by the intensity of the experience, he dialed X's number to inquire about their well-being and to recount the horrifying incident. To Mamaji's astonishment, X seemed utterly bewildered by his words. He revealed that he and his girlfriend had reached home long before and had never encountered any accident or made a call to Mamaji. Mamaji's world turned upside down as he processed his revelation. He checked his call log only to find no trace of the conversation he believed to be real. Jesus. It was an inexplicable mystery that defied all rational explanations. From that day onwards, Mamaji vowed to never venture near that bridge again, avoiding its path with unwavering determination. As Mamaji concluded his story, he shared his personal reflection on the incident. He believed that bridges during their construction witnessed countless lives disrupted and lost due to accidents and mishaps thereby inviting the lingering curses of the deceased upon unsuspecting travelers Dear Ishvara and Aryan I wanted to share this spine chilling tale with you as a testament Ooh. to the inexplicable and mysterious nature of the supernatural realm It's stories like these that keep us on the edge of our seats and make us question the boundaries of reality Wishing you both continued success and many more chilling tales to share. Warm regards, P from Noida. All right, P from Noida. That ain't no dream or a coincidence. That's just straight up spooky. That's straight up terrifying, and I think that ties back into a conversation we've had previously, which is that it can't be so that only graveyards are scary because every place has people that have died near it. Maybe we just don't focus on those places. Maybe nobody's actually paying attention to the bridges where countless people have died, and there are a lot of horror stories that come from these random places where a lot of lives have been lost. So that's right. scary. Or on the contrary, that 
all of those places do not have ghosts and these are just figments of our imagination but anyway for the sake of uh, this segment's no. continuity where is the fun in that where is the exactly Stop so you know party pooper. i'm not being i'm yes. saying for the sake of the continuity of the series which i truly like i will continue to believe in ghosts maybe who knows but let's go to assam for our next story hello ashwara narayan my name let's is subra and i'm from assam i have an eerie story to share one that was experienced by one of my closest friends my friend manisha and i have been avid listeners of your podcast for over a year and she suggested that i write this story to you for one of your chain chitti episodes in may of this year we embarked on a trip to arunachal pradesh during our time there amidst getting drunk and gossiping of course what one does while traveling with your best friend We began sharing our of paranormal course. experiences. One of my childhood friends shared a particularly unsettling encounter that sent shivers down our spines throughout the night. As many of you may know, Assam is abundant with tea gardens, and both my friend and I live amidst vast acres of these serene yet eerie landscapes. During the day, the tea gardens exude beauty with their lush green bushes, towering trees, and clear blue skies. However, as soon as the sun sets, darkness blankets the surroundings, rendering it desolate and void of any visible presence. The members of the tea tribe community who live and work in these gardens have a routine of sleeping early around 8 to 9 p.m. and rising at the break of dawn around 3 to 4 a.m. to begin their day's work. My friend's family owns their own tea garden located a 30-minute ride away from the main town where we reside. The journey nice. takes us along narrow roads through sparsely populated areas. On this particular occasion, my friend and his family were invited to a wedding of one of the workers employed in their tea garden. Although it was a dark monsoon night and not the safest time to venture into the lonely gardens, my friend, out of courtesy, decided to take his car and drive to the venue. On the way back home around 11 p.m., the rain began to pour. Here let me provide you with a clearer picture of the roads in the tea garden. They are narrow and muddy paths, but the two cars can somehow pass each other. On either side of the road, there are deep drains necessary for the tea trees drainage system so that the water does not gather under the plant as it kills the plant. Just as my friend was about to leave, a woman who had also attended the wedding approached him and requested a ride. Now, if you have learned anything, Ashwara from Chain Chitti, is if at 11 p.m. a woman approaches yes. you and asks for a ride, um, chuck Not chivalry, um, especially if it's raining and you're in a storm. I don't mean that. If you see somebody and help, please help them out. That was just a joke. But he recognized her face, so he didn't hesitate to oblige. Right? This is a woman who he knew asking for help. Guys out there listening, if you, if you know the woman, you know, even if you don't, if she needs help, help out. Okay, it's a joke. Don't take it to heart. or maybe sometimes do if you're on a but don't die in bridge. the process but don't yeah that or, or or be traumatized you know either either don't but at this point i would also want people to know what millipedes are now that's a weird um tangent to <gasps> go on to but should i trust I me it makes millipedes. sense i hate should i hate millipedes there is okay, i mean they i shouldn't even mention it but they are looking Oh my god, is there a human centipede? Have you heard of that movie? Yes, I have. I've watched that movie. Oh my god. Yeah. So like millipedes centipedes, I they eke me out. 
just they're yeah. like caterpillars turned monsters like they're terrifying oh my god Ugh. like shudders i don't need to believe in ghosts to be scared of bellypeds i'm very scared <laughs> of bellypeds are enough ashara knows how scared of insects i am um According to Subra, millipedes are common insects found in tea gardens. These maroon-colored caterpillar-like creatures are long and have more than a hundred feet. <sighs> okay, okay, I am trying not to get scared as I read this. It's honestly <laughs> triggering me. Um, spotting them on the ground during the monsoon season is quite typical. However, what my friend witnessed that night was something he would never forget. Ashura. The next couple of lines are probably the toughest lines I have read on this segment yet, and I'm not—I'm not being facetious. All right, I'm I ready. mean it. Thousands of millipedes filled the drains on both sides no. of the road, crawling over each other. <sighs> oh Although he found it peculiar at the time, no shit. He didn't dwell on it much. Why? And engrossed himself in conversation with the woman sitting beside him in the passenger seat. Approximately 15 minutes into their drive, he noticed something even weirder than what he saw a few minutes ago. He saw two white goats, two white rabbits, and two white owls sitting on one side of the road, gazing intently what? into the darkness across from them. These animals weren't looking at him, the car, or the woman next to him. They were fixated on some unseen void. Even then, it did not occur to him that the woman by his side could be a sign of big trouble. As the clock struck eleven forty p.m., what should have been a thirty-minute ride had inexplicably turned into forty minutes. The road seemed to stretch on endlessly, and my friend believed that his slow driving due to the rain was causing the delay. Suddenly, his attention was captured by two men on bikes chasing him from behind. They skillfully overtook his car. Eventually when they managed to intercept him and signal for him to pull over they flashed their headlights directly onto the car familiar with the two men thankfully my friend cautiously stepped out of the car as they instructed they asked him to glance back at the passenger seat what he saw nearly caused him to lose consciousness instead of the woman with whom he had been talking for nearly 40 minutes there lay a stack of hay Tightly bound with ropes, shaped like a statue that was yet oh to be God. built, the stack of hay was covered with thick blood all over. Without hesitation, the two men swiftly discarded the bloody stack, and then they safely escorted my friend back to his house. After a few days had passed, when my friend was stable enough, he tried to inquire who that woman was. He discovered that many people had seen her before, yet nobody knew who she was. Additionally, when he confronted the two men about it and whether they had any knowledge regarding the situation, they revealed shocking information. The priest who had conducted the wedding had uncovered evidence of a black magic spell cast in an attempt to bring unhappiness to the marriage. During his investigation, the priest had stumbled upon hibiscus flower intricately sewn together with threads and needles, which were deliberately left near the entrance of the house. While trying to uncover the culprit responsible, a young boy came forward, claiming to have witnessed a woman in a black sari placing the peculiar object there. It dawned upon the two men and other people at the wedding that the woman who had entered my friend's car was the same and only woman in the black sari at the wedding. 
Realizing the impending danger lurking around my friend, they rushed to his aid, arriving just in the nick of time. That was my story, guys. Hope it spooked you and the listeners. I wish you all the very best. Love the content you put out every week. And also, if possible, do cover cases about witch huntings. Hasta la vista. That is terrifying. That's the kind of story I cannot imagine being forged or being faked. Like someone would have so much imagination, would need so much imagination to come up with that. I think that's just terrifying. Ishwara, this is such a brilliantly written story that even if it's false, just mm-hmm. just how it's how scary it is inherently is good enough for me to share it with everybody because just the just the just the hypothetical plausibility scares me. Absolutely agree. And on those hypothetical plausibilities, we will move on to our next story. The subject of the email reads, The Lingering Shadow. Hi, Ishwara and Aran. My name is A and I'm a huge fan. You guys make my dreaded workouts a tad bit more bearable and you guys are probably the best storytellers I've encountered in my life. I've not missed a single episode of yours. Never stop making these, especially Giant Jitty. Thank you so much. It means the world to us. Heads up, this will be long. These stories begin with my father, who is sort of known as the free spirit in the family. Abu is the rule breaker, who always speaks the truth. Relatives think of him as the guy with no filter. However, he is all of my cousin's favourite, and mine too, because he spoiled me to the core. I want to take you back to the early 90s in the emerging city of Dhaka, Bangladesh. My parents had recently gotten married and resided in an eight-storied home in the posh town of Banani. The home at the time consisted of six people. My parents, Amu and Abu, younger uncle, Chotokaka, and his wife, Chotokaki, elder uncle, Borokaka, and his wife, Borokaki, who lived in the US but travelled back and forth. We were an upper-middle-class family, but somehow they found this almost palace-equivalent house for a very affordable price. As a few months went by, small things started to happen. The first odd incident was the smell of a perfume that religious people wear before reciting the Quran or praying, all over the house, appearing and disappearing at random. Now, why was this weird, you ask? Nobody in our home was religious. And it was not a light scent, it was strong and lingering. Slowly, things started getting misplaced. Sometimes money would go missing, sometimes things would move from one location to another, you know, small things but occurring frequently. It got so annoying that one day Abu charged our guard and maids who lived in the servants' quarter. All the house helps claimed it wasn't them. Komola Bua was our eldest and dearest maid. She worked in our home for years. She practically raised my cousins and I and was fiercely loyal. If she found spare money somewhere, she would literally collect it and give it all to my dad or uncle. As time went by though, it wasn't just money she found. While cleaning the home, she found small strings of beads that Muslims recite and count prayer with, scattered across the home under our beds and sofas. Once she came to my dad and asked, Sir, you folks don't pray. Who uses these? Apu just brushed it off. Although it did weird him out, he thought maybe it belonged to one of the other maids. One night, Kumola Bua felt so eerie in the house that she was sleeping outside the door of my parents' room when Abu saw her and asked what was wrong. She replied, Someone keeps pacing outside my room. 
Ammu and Abu felt so bad for her that they let her stay in their room for the night and later let her switch to another room in the house. Now, here's a little detail. My parents are actually not together anymore and had quite an estranged marriage for 25 years. So Ammu often went to grandparents' home whenever things got heated. Word of advice to parents? Get that divorce. My Ammu and Abu are so much happier now and so am I. I have to stand by that advice absolutely. Yes, yes, I echo that uh, completely as um, a member of a household with a sim- similar dilemma. Please Indian women and South Asian women, I I I just feel bad that they are cloistered to their partners because of other sociological reasons, but yes, if you can leave, please leave. The email goes on. Moving on, this one time Amu was not home for like a month or so and Abu got terribly ill. It was a stormy night and the power went out. Abu was so sick he couldn't even get up from the bed. He had a flashlight turned on and could only see from that light. He suddenly got a blasting headache and was unable to call for help. As he helplessly stared at the wall, he saw the shadow of a woman walking towards him. He assumed it was my chotokaki or komola bua bringing him some food. The shadow of the girl came closer and closer and started massaging his head. He tried to thank her, but his mouth was numb. He managed to look up and saw no one. He could literally feel her touch. He could still see the shadow of a girl massaging his head, but not detect a physical being. He saw the shadow for about 2 minutes. Slowly the shadow disappeared and so did the headache and the fever. Abu bolted out of the room to search for Chotokaki or Komolabua because he thought he hallucinated it and it must have been one of them. He found them chatting in the living room. He asked them cheerfully, "Thank you. Who gave me that head massage? Thank you." Both of them looked at him incredibly confused. No and one way. of them replied, "We've been downstairs for the past 2 hours. We didn't go up." Abu freaked out so bad that he called a Malvi that our community knew. He came over and searched the house and decided to stay the night. But he woke everyone up in the middle of the night and said the spirits in our home don't like him so he has to leave. Ashwara, I mean, I get it. It's kind of eerie, but why would you want to get rid of a ghost that gives you free head massages? That's true. This ghost has been nothing but really kind right now. Yeah, head massages for free? I mean, the amount of times I've I'll gone take that. Absolutely. You know, I've tried to fall asleep and I wished my mum was just like some imaginary even even when uh, this is this is a sort of a little <laughs> bit of a confession Ashwara but like when a fly walks on me sometimes I know it's gross but I fe- feel like being whack. tickled you know like the nice sort of uh, somebody caressing you I I let it happen it's it is weird I hope <laughs> yeah I shouldn't have shared that but well It is. This is a segment for creepy things. I think A can send his ghost over to you. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> Moving on from that weird confession, the email continues. Before leaving, the Malvi whispered to Abu, "The girl does not mean you guys any harm, but she is not liking me here." Abu could not sleep that night as he recalled something. Remember how my family got this house for a cheap price? So when my dad and Borukaka bought the house, the realtor actually told them that a young girl had killed herself on the third floor of the house for unknown reasons. Of course my dad didn't care at the time as the deal was too good, but now he surely did because my parents resided on that very floor. 
as time went by our family got bigger my cousin let's call her hazel choto kaka and kaki's daughter and i added into the family cut to the year 2000 my khala's daughter maria came for a sleepover hazel and maria were 5 and i was only a few months old they were playing with me on the fourth floor along with the guard's two daughters while playing suddenly they could hear the loud yet rhythmic music of ghungru from somewhere in the house even as kids they were so bothered by it that after a few minutes they went downstairs to my parents and asked them to turn the tv down my parents were dumbfounded as they thought we were the ones watching the tv then all of them went upstairs to the seventh floor to ask chotokaka and chotokaki who also thought it was us kids blasting the tv They eventually figured out the sound was coming from the roof. All of them took brooms and went upstairs as if that was a good weapon of choice. Okay, this is such a desi thing, taking brooms to fight a ghost. And brooms might just be, you know, leveraged by the ghost if it's on the witch spectrum of the ghost realm, you know. So That's it's not true. the wisest thing. That's true. Which is do like brooms. Absolutely. Which is which is do like brooms. I, I let's get a T-shirt that says witches do like brooms. I witches and desi households they do like their brooms. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, the email continues. They banged open the gate of the roof and the sound vanished immediately. They searched that roof three times, but no one and nothing was there. Everyone was spooked for a while, recited duas, and eventually moved on. A few years went by and we shifted to a new home in a different city. Dad became more open to the concept of religion by the time. In 2009, Maria, who had moved to the US with her parents by then, came to visit us after 5 years to celebrate Eid. We were obviously excited about the reunion and since it was Ramadan, we stayed up until Sehri, which is the meal you have at dawn before starting the fast every night. So it was about 3 a.m. and Abu being everyone's favorite as per our demand, fed the three of us from the same plate and we were all joking around listening to music. When we were done eating, Abu began walking towards the kitchen to start his own meal. We saw him come to a sudden stop as he froze. He kept staring at the kitchen door. We called out to him and he didn't respond for a good minute. Out of nowhere, the street dog started barking, almost howling. We freaked out and called him again. Maria and I were too dumbfounded while Hazel courageously walked up to him and asked, "Kaka, what happened to you?" And he very hesitantly said, "Nothing happened," and asked us to go to bed very strictly. This was obviously unlike him. We pressured him to tell us, and he finally told us that he saw the shadow again, and he could sense that it was a warning that something bad was going to happen. We knew he was not lying because he got into protective dad mode and literally tucked us in bed. The next morning we headed to my nani's house and we were all chilling and suddenly got a phone call that my dada had passed away. We were honestly more scared than grief-stricken no considering the previous night's events. Today, 14 years later, we all live in different parts of the United States. Hazel and Chotokaka's family sadly drifted apart. Maria and I are still ride or die who lives in Virginia and is a mom now. Abu lives in California and works with Borokaka. Ammu, my stepdad and I live in North Carolina. We're all busy with our lives, but I have weekly calls with my Abu. And every now and then he does ask me if I'm doing okay with a hint of extra concern. Because even today, 
he sees that shadow as a warning sign in a different country thousands of miles away from dhaka i don't know i'm i'm scared but in equal parts oh sweet smile that you can see ashwarya um yeah spans across my face that a you know we have a community spread so far uh, in bangladesh uh, and of course now in us uh, but that that's a scary yeah. story that's a hard it's a hard moment story it's a terrifying summer. story yes it is it's kind of a nice ghost and also you sound like you have a fantastic family i sound like yeah. i love abu by the way abu sounds like a total abu. badass i love and, abu uh, so our good wishes to you and your whole family that is spread across so many different states across the us and with that i think we have come to an end to yet another giant chitty episode we hope this one kept you up at night just as it will keep us up at night but till the next episode stay away from creepy women asking for rides at 11 pm stay and safe and bridges yes and bridges stay crazy stay desi <laughs>